As usual, I asked our guest, Zach Ring, to pound the table for some of this offseason. Zach, who you pounded the table for? I am pounding the table for Miles Gaskin. I love this guy. I think, uh, I think he's clearly the, the Dolphins' best running back. Um, I think Brian Flores tried to trick us in the first preseason game by starting Malcolm <laughs> Brown, uh, but I'm not falling for it. So uh, Miles Gaskin is who I'm pounding the table for. I think he's going to have a big year. I love it. As a Dolphins fan, I hope you're right. Now, remember after the draft, they asked him about not drafting a running back, and he said, we like the guys we have. So everyone, follow Zach's advice. Go get you some Miles Gaskin. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am your humble host, Brandon Niles. My co-host today is the very busy Chris Allen. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm actually, I'm really happy to get a chance to sit down with you yet again. It feels like we just, we are owning the most accurate podcast. We are. Moment. Uh, <laughs> but between doing, trying to fit in as many drafts on underdog as I possibly can before the season starts with all of these injuries and changing views on players based off of preseason usage. I mean, it's been a whirlwind. It's been a whirlwind of activity just so that we can actually start the season. And that's what everybody pretty much wants at this point, because it's been nothing but hot takes across Twitter, but I'm happy to get a chance to sit down with one of the proprietors of one of the best uh, Twitter accounts, I would say, that brings out the most actionable information that we could probably find on Twitter. So yeah, I'm happy to get into it, man. Absolutely, absolutely. As you mentioned, as I mentioned, we're pumped to have Zach Ring here on the show today. Zach's at 32 Beat Writers Twitter account. One of the best ways to succinctly stay up to date on the news stemming from all 32 NFL teams. Seriously, it's one of the few Twitter accounts I follow that I will intentionally check his profile regularly and scan through. I mean, it's like 32 Beat Writers is, comes up as my automatic search function when I go up there and do that right up there with Adrian Wojanowski and Adam Schefter so uh <laughs> definitely give it a follow at 32 beat writer Zach thank you so much for coming on how you doing today I'm good and that is much appreciated I, I really appreciate those kind words it's it's true I I mean every one of them and I I wanted to know since I've got you on here can you give me like a little backstory behind at 32 beat writers uh yeah so <clears throat> for like the longest time so we started the account probably five years ago back in 2016 but before that, in my personal account, I was following all the beat writers, and um, I would just get like the mo the best information from them during training camp. And so then I talked to Max, my the fr my friend of mine that that runs the account with me, and uh, I, I told him I was like, let's just create a joint account where we can both follow all these beat writers, and um, we'll just use it for ourselves, just to kind of get ahead of the game. And so we did that. We created the account. We followed everybody that we could find. And we did that for about a year, just for us. We didn't retweet anything. We were just using it for our own personal gain. And then um, the next year, I guess in 2017, we were talking and we were like, let's just start retweeting all this pertinent info um, we think would be really good for the fantasy football community. And so we just started retweeting stuff and we hyped ourselves on Reddit, like, come follow us. We're doing this and doing that. And we got a big following from that. And then we started getting some like well-known fantasy football content creators shouting us out and that would bring us a bunch of followers. And then like every now it's every June through August, we just add several thousand followers and we're, I think 39,000 now, which is just insane. So it all started with like, we just were getting a lot out of beat writers and decided let's bring this to everybody. It's awesome. So. I mean, clearly it's grown well and, and been great. How do you keep track? 
of all this because it's a lot of beat writers and they change constantly and so how do you keep track of so many accounts that you can stay up to date on yeah i i don't know if you're gonna like this answer but it's 100 percent manual it's we we both have desk what? jobs yeah <laughs> we both have desk jobs and we got two monitors so we got we've got twitter on, on one monitor up at all times um and we're just <laughs> constant constantly scrolling twitter and hitting refresh and hitting the retweet button and quote tweeting and i mean it's it's a lot busier uh in rookie camp and training camp um those are our busy times so like it's not like this all year round but i mean um yeah it's 100 percent manual so we get kind of burnt out around this time of year <laughs> I bet. I bet. Uh, I, I wanted to ask, kind of give shout outs, uh, you know, and Chris, you too, if you know anybody, uh, excellent beat writers. Uh, like you said, it's great content out there. Um, anyone specific beat writers you recommend following? Like I know I love Greg Bell uh, from the Seahawks, the News Tribune uh, at G Bell Seattle. And I love Greg Almond from the, the Bucks Athletic beat writer. Uh, at Greg Amon, A-U-M-A-N. Those two, I think, are always just putting out great content. Is there any kind of favorite writers that you like? Chris, uh, anyone come to mind for you? A uh, few guys that I don't, know that I don't know if they would be considered beat writers, but I know folks that work for either the Athletic or certain uh, like websites like around the area. Uh, starting off with the, the Bengals, uh, Ben Baby. I uh, think he works for ESPN. Uh, he's been really great at at least trying to capture most of what's been going on in Cincinnati with the whole Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, like so on and so forth. So he's one of the guys that I've been typically going to. Uh, Arif Hassan, uh, he covers the Vikings. He's been great. Um, and then also uh, Jordan Rodrigue, uh, who covers the Rams, formerly, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, formerly covered the Panthers, but then moved out west. She's been one of my favorite writers uh, for, for quite some time, and I think her insight into just football – Team dynamics and all that has been wonderful to watch and see and watch her career evolve. So I think those three, at least off the top of my head, are once if they say something, I immediately pay attention or want to read what they've written. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not familiar with the other two. I look forward to going and checking them out like immediately after we record. But Jordan Roderick, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, uh, anything she says. Zach, anybody that just kind of stand out for you, you probably have a million. So if it's too much, then that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of hard for me to like pin, like name names because there's so many, but I'll name teams um, that are really good. The Jets, Patriots, Dolphins, Bucks, Eagles are at the top of the list. They have it seems like they have a million beat writers, and they're all really good. Like we the practice tweets are insane. Like we'll like Jalen Rager will make a, a great catch, and we'll see seven tweets in a row of basically the same tweet from seven different beat writers. So mm -hmm. those, those teams are really good. The Jags are good. Uh, I really like John Shipley from the Jags. He's, he, I think he works for Sports Illustrated, but he, oh, he's, he's, really a, good. he's a really good one. Um, a lot of Elliot Shore Parks for the Eagles, uh, his, he gets a lot of hate because he's opinionated, but um, he has a lot of good uh, training camp stats. He's, he's really good. I like him too. Wasn't he the guy that said he could hit a home run or something like that a couple years ago? I thought he had maybe, that tweet. Maybe or... so. He he he's he rubs some people the wrong way, but he he put <laughs> he he keeps he keeps the the stats of all the practices. So I remember seeing that tweet about yeah, uh, I think practice usage because that was what clued a lot of folks into how Kenny Gainwell was being used uh, as a out of the backfield. So yeah, I 100% agree on Elliot Shore Parks. They're very good, very good. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, just wanted to kind of give some shout-outs since we're talking beat writers and we're talking kind of current news and all that. I thought that'd be kind of fun. 
folks, 4 for 4 has partnered with Underdog Fantasy, and I, for one, am taking full advantage. I'll be in dozens of leagues by the time the season begins, and I love the best ball format. I can draft a team and then enjoy zero maintenance all season long. No setting lineups, no waivers, no problem. You automatically get maximum points out of your team each week. Right now, we have a screaming good deal. If you deposit $10 at Underdog Fantasy and use the promo code 4 for 4 that's 4-F-O-R-4, you get $25 from Underdog. That's the price of admission to Best Ball Media 2 with $3.5 million in total prizes. And you get a pro subscription to 4 for 4 This is one of the best promos I've seen in my 14 years with 4 for 4 So take advantage. Go sign up today. Uh, I want to go in and do a segment that I call preseason or preseason, which uh, I'm proud of because I'm a dad and I like puns. And uh, so these are players who are doing really well in camp or doing really well in the preseason. And I want to hear Chris and, and Zach, what you two think, whether or not, whether they're just preseason or whether or not this is preseason and we should be targeting these guys. So I'm going to start with everyone's favorite uh, new Patriots running back, Ramondre Stevenson, just been crushing preseason games, uh, but playing you know, that second and third string snap. So uh, let's start. Zach, uh, anything you're hearing, you said that the Patriots beat riders do a great job. Uh, should we be targeting Ramondre Stevenson or is this just preseason? I think you should be targeting him. And especially if you have Damian Harris, for some reason, I always equated this guy to, to LeGarrette Blunt, And I don't think they're anything alike anymore. I mean, he's Stevenson can scoot like he's fast. He's got quick feet. Um, I think he just went under the radar because he started at junior college and then he went to Oklahoma and then he got suspended and then he came back for half the last half of the season last year, but he, he dominated when he came back. He averaged like uh, 150 yards a game from scrimmage and one touchdown. And I'm pretty sure he was named the MVP of their, uh, their bowl game. Um, but he just kind of went under the radar and then the Pats took him in the fourth round, I believe. Um, but he's, he's killing it. And, at the beginning of training camp, the beat writers didn't have much to say about him, but now they've got a lot to say about him. And I, I think uh, I think he's definitely definitely should be a target. Definitely at the end of draft. Chris, are you viewing him as a as a target and as a as a handcuff or more than a handcuff? How are you looking at Stevenson after his dominant preseason? I, I was beforehand, but especially on underdog after I've seen his ADP kind of kick up a couple of rounds. I don't mind if you want to try and grab him as your fifth, sixth running back, depending on your particular build. But I do like I do appreciate what Zach was talking about because not to say that he came out of nowhere or anything like that, but his profile absolutely like if you looked at let's say if you were to pull up player profile or whatever website that you go to to look at athletic metrics for a prospect. Ramondre Stevenson would look like that LeGarrette Blunt type. He ran like almost like a 4'7", like coming out of college, just looked like that big bruiser back, like 230 pounds, if I'm not mistaken. So it's just, he kind of fit that LeGarrette Blunt archetype. But after he ran that 91-yard touchdown in preseason, I mean, literally, I mean, pulling away from defenders, now granted, they were probably like second, third string defenders at that point. But the fact that he was able, that he has that, in his tool bag as something he can do, that was actually something of a surprise to me. So I can see a scenario where he does get some run. Now, whether, like, how he's going to get integrated in the offense in that rotation with Harris obviously leading the charge, they still got Michelle there, they still got James White there, they still got James White there. What that is going to look like on a week-to-week basis, classic Bill Belichick messing with all of us. But I do see, at least from <laughs> from a best ball standpoint, I can see incorporating Stevenson like into your into your lineup still. 
Excellent, excellent. I uh, and in in, in redraft, kind of similar situation. Like you know, late round dart throw is always interesting too. Uh, another rookie running back, Jarrett Patterson for Washington. It doesn't look like there's going to be much room behind J.D. McKissick and uh, Antonio Gibson, but you know the coaching staff is talking high about him. He's a rookie. He looks exciting. He's going to re- contribute in the return game. Uh, Zach, is is he a a preseason someone we should target, or is he just preseason? Um, see, I, in in redraft, I'm not really targeting him, but in best ball, I've taken him in the 18th round a couple times. Uh, I I love. Jarrett Patterson, I, what is he like five nine or something? He's uh he's killing it, but I think he's somewhat still on the roster bubble, which doesn't make any sense. But I think the the Washington football team is only going to keep. I think teams usually keep ten offensive linemen. They'll probably only keep nine and keep Patterson. Um, if I'm Ron Vera, I'm cutting Peyton Barber before I ever think about cutting Jarrett Patterson. Uh, but they they love Barber because when. <laughs> When he can get when they need two yards, he can pretty much get those two yards. Um, but I, I love Pat. He, he Patterson played six games last year at Buffalo and ran for over a thousand yards, which is just insane. So it's I like him a lot. But he's not he's not necessarily a target of mine in most leagues because he's just so far down the depth chart. But with the seventeen game schedule now, you just I mean, there's gonna be a lot of injuries and wear and tear. So I think he'll get his shot. I love Barber. I love it. If you need one yard, he'll get you two. If you need three yards, he'll get you two. I, just, I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chris, uh, are you interested at all in Jared Patterson? Or are you sprinkling him anywhere? I haven't been. He's been more pre-seasoned for me just because of we don't know how that backfield is going to wind up shaking out. Most folks have had their focus on Antonio Gibson. I've just been more focused on the wide receivers. I sure. want give me Logan Thomas. Give me Terry McLaurin. Give me Curtis Samuel a little bit. I am kind of shying away. Even Diami Brown, mm-hmm. I've been more focused on that and, the con- and their connection with Ryan Fitzpatrick more so than Jared Patterson, just because we're looking at the Scott Turner offense, which should play more up-tempo. The passing game should be more of the focus. Just more of that has been uh, my focus when looking at the Washington football team. You know the most boring Washington football team target that I I I'm kind of I kind of got a raised eyebrow at. I'm kind of interested is Adam Humphreys. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I kind of think I kind of think he's gonna get snaps. I kind of think he's gonna get targets there. That's in the spot. Fitzpatrick's dude. Yeah, I, right? I, I I cannot bring myself to draft him anywhere though. <laughs> I, I can't I can't do it. I, I can't do it either, Zach. But everything that like, all the logic that I keep hearing about. Fitzpatrick wanted him. He's still been, I mean, they've been like still passing or like, you know, still been connecting like out, like during practice and all that. There's still that connection there. It's still like all the logic points to him being involved, but just I would rather have any of the other guys ahead of him than sure. trying to draft Adam Humphreys. I'll confess, he's my ninth receiver in a few best ball lineups. He's my, he's my ninth guy. <laughs> that, Watch, he'll, okay. he'll wind up being the guy that takes down any of the puppies or the tournaments on underdog or something like that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're the only one that owns him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt. All right, let's go to a few uh, a few of these receivers. Uh, a lot of receivers kind of getting a lot of heyday. I'm going to start. It's not the first one on my list, but uh, after uh, Monday night, I got to start with Marcus Callaway, who just blew up against the Jags and, and blew up like looked amazing. The catches that he made were, were thoroughly impressive. So, uh, Zach, uh, preseason or preseason for, for Marcus Callaway? He's preseason. I think he's going to actually – be startable most weeks until Michael Thomas gets back at least. Um, but I guess if there's ever like a sell high window on a player, it's right now for him <laughs> after that <laughs> preseason game. Um, but I, I like, I'll like him better if, uh, if Jameis is named the starting quarterback, I don't know if I'll like him as much as if Taysom's named the starting quarterback. 
Um, but he's been really good, and I, I think he's going to be startable as, as a flex play at the beginning of the season at least. Chris, are you buying Callaway? It's hard for me not to, especially after the highlights we just watched from last night's preseason game. At But it's not just that. I'm trying not to be a prisoner of the moment, but it's also who are the other pass catchers around him that will are really going to compete with him for targets. We haven't seen much out of Deontay Harris. Traquan Smith has been injured. We just watched, I mean, Adam Troutman had to get carted off the field, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Mm-hmm. So really outside of Alvin Kamara, I mean, we really don't have too much else there to challenge Callaway for targets. So you, you have to believe at, if you don't believe in the talent, you have to at least believe in the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, uh, I, I have so much of him across my dynasty leagues. I just, I'm just, I, I want this to be real so bad. Like I, I, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out who I can bribe to make it happen, but it, it hasn't quite worked out yet. Yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah. Matt, Max, the guy that runs the third GB riders with me, he owns Callaway and I think like every league. So last night, when Callaway caught those touchdowns, all of a sudden, all you see all these notifications. Marquez Callaway, Callaway's been put on the trade block. Callaway's been put on the trade block. Wow! <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, let's go to another guy. Uh, this is uh, from your state, but not your team, Chris. Let's talk Donovan Peoples Jones, uh, another player who uh, is more exciting than his opportunity. I think uh, so. That's that's the concern. Uh, Zach, what do you think about Donovan Peoples Jones? Do you think he's got a, a chance to climb that depth chart and actually be productive this year, or is this just preseason? I definitely think he has a chance because um, I don't think he's competing with much. There, I mean, Landry and Odell are obviously the one and two, but I think Peoples-Jones has earned himself the, the third spot in Cleveland. The only thing, Rashard Higgins has had a ton of chances, um, and he's been very inconsistent. The, the thing that keeps him in it is it seems like Baker Mayfield loves him, um, but Peoples-Jones just catches everything. Like he's mm-hmm. He's been really good in training camp, so... I'd be surprised if he's not the third wide receiver in Cleveland, um, at least by midseason, if not at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I feel like Rashard Higgins is like the no doubt of receivers. Like no doubt is good, right? But it's never quite as good as you want it to be. And I feel like Rashard Higgins has kind of been that uh, for receivers. So he's in my no doubt all-stars as receivers. (laughs) Chris, what do you think of Donovan Peoples-Jones? I know you've been tracking that Cleveland passing game. Yeah, and I think from an archetype perspective, DPJ winds up, and that's that's what people call him, right? DPJ. It's not even Donald, Donovan Peoples Jones at this point. They got Absolutely. a nickname already for him. Yeah, but uh, he has the archetype of a player that you would probably you would want to target in the later round, just because he is that quote unquote better in best ball type where you know what the type of production you're going to get if he winds up hitting. With Rashard Higgins, it's not as much. Like we saw him, we saw Higgins play mostly the Odell role, like when Odell was out. But Donovan Peoples-Jones, he is that, uh, let's see, if you want to compare him to somebody, almost in the Marquez Valdez-Scantling type of role where he's running those higher dot routes. If he winds up connecting with Baker Mayfield on those routes, he can wind up having that, I don't know, 110 for a touchdown-like type of stat line, which can wind up vaulting him into the wide receiver two conversation on any given week. And that's what you would want out of your wide receiver two. And with the volume concerns, I understand, but actually... Cleveland ended last season sixth in uh, deep ball passing rate. And so that matches with exactly what the type of work that you would want for Donovan Peoples-Jones. And so with the efficiency also kicking up over the last six weeks or so of like for, for the Cleveland Browns after those really bad win games, I can see if any of that rolls over, the efficiency, 
the uptick in neutral passing rate that we also saw from Cleveland as well, and the also the deep passing also stays there because they used a lot of play action. That's a, a Kevin Stefanski staple for his offensive scheme. Then I can see Donovan Peoples-Jones having a like a, a surge in ADP or at least in value relative to his current ADP as of right now. Excellent. I got two more of these guys. I want to talk a, a couple more receivers. Uh, I'm going to start with Jacoby Myers, New England Patriots. Uh, you know, he had such an interesting stat line last year. He was actually pretty productive, but uh, just couldn't find the end zone, which was uh, uh, kind of a, a, an interesting thing. We'll see if that continues this year. That offense is certainly concerning, but he seems to be the wide receiver one there. He seems to be uh, who everyone in camp likes, uh, seems to be uh, have a nice connection with Cam Newton. So Zach, what do you think of Jacoby Myers? Is uh, is this just preseason hype, or should we be targeting him? Uh, we should be targeting Myers. I like him a lot. He's he's so consistent and so reliable. He's, he's I mean, he's going to be the Patriots' most reliable receiver, and he'll he'll be the target on on third downs and and any intermediate in, intermediary routes. Um, if, so if he can get his touchdown numbers up, he'll have a really good season. Um, but I, yeah, I think he ends up as the, the Patriots' best wide receiver. Um, followed by Aguilar, but I mean, I guess it's not saying much. I don't, I don't know if the passing game, passing offense is going to be um, much better than last year, but you would, you'd like to see it improve a little bit. Um, and now we got the whole thing with Cam Newton having to sit out and Mac Jones is getting a lot of reps. So I think I feel better, better about Ma- Myers if, uh, if Mac Jones is the quarterback. Um, but I think he's definitely someone, I, I have him in a bunch of leagues just because I picked him up like two or three years ago and just been holding him. But um, I like him a lot. Yeah. Chris, uh, any hope for that Patriots offense? And would you prefer uh, Cam or Mac? Do you have a preference there when you're looking at Myers and the other receivers there? No real preference, to be quite honest. While I do think, I do agree with Zach's points that if we're thinking about the Patriots offense overall, like the Patriots passing game offense overall, we would probably want Mac Jones in there because we could see the scenario where since rushing isn't really a, see the scenario where since rushing isn't really a part of attempts like with Mac Jones under center versus Cam Newton. From what we've seen throughout preseason, Mac Jones has been slightly more accurate, like more prone to taking some of those big-time throws or deeper throws. And I think that all works out well for Jacoby Myers. But Jacoby Myers by himself, absolutely one of the most efficient wide receivers in in, uh, the entire league last season. If I'm remembering correctly uh, from Pro Football Focus, he was top eight in yards per route run, which is one of their predictive stats that looks at their current efficiency and also helps predict like future production as well at the position. He was top eight in yards per route run against man coverage, top six in yards per route run against zone coverage, if I'm remembering that correctly. But either way, he was able to create in just absolute chaos last season with Cam Newton having the... COVID fog and missing games and we could see that the shoulder really wasn't working out well and we saw just absolute blow up games for Jacoby Myers because he was garnering a 24-25% target share I mean essentially because there was nobody around him now he does have more guys to compete with for targets Nelson Aguilar comes around he gets that big contract also Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry as well Uh. James White is there so it's just he dad there are more people there at the very least they got more bodies and more people to throw to than they did last season at the very least but I still think that Myers is the guy that I've been targeting throughout all the draft just because I'm stubborn and I like the guy that I'm always the guy that even if they bring in new people to a, to a team I just draft the guy that's always been there just because I, I think yeah. that, that guy is good and Jacoby mm-hmm. Myers happens to fit that bill for me so yeah if 
there's any guy that I can target out of the New England passing game, it's been Myers. Yeah, nice. No, I, I'm with you. I, I, uh, interesting with, with the efficiency stats. I didn't know that, and that makes me very interested in him. Uh, one more receiver before we uh, kind of move on a little bit. Uh, Quez Watkins. Uh, Zach, you said that the Philly beat writers are uh, pretty good in talking about everything that goes on in camp. We've heard a lot about uh, Jalen Rager. Uh, obviously, Devontae Smith is capturing headlines when he's in the lineup. Uh, Quez Watkins is getting tons of press and uh, has looked really good in the preseason. Jalen Hurts has talked him up. Is he uh, somebody we should be targeting, or is, he, or is this just preseason? I feel like I've said everyone is a target, but he's definitely a target. Um, he's, he's running with the first team. He's, I, he's pretty much guaranteed going to be starting outside for the Eagles. Um, but... I think he's my most owned player on underdog just because he's always sitting there in round 16 to 18, and I just can't help myself, so I always take him because the upside's so huge. Yeah. Uh, but he's with with Devontae Smith sitting out so much uh, the last couple weeks from from an injury, he he's looked like the Eagles' best receiver. Rager's had two catches this training camp that have made a lot of headlines, but other than that, he hadn't really done much. Um, and Watkins has been pretty consistent. He had a big catch today in practice where he went up and got one and then came down hard and he had a had a league practice for a little bit but he came back and he's fine um but i'm definitely targeting him i, I picked him up in, in any league he was on on waiver wire he's he's having a really good camp and i think he's gonna have a really good season because everybody likes him jalen hurst likes him and i'm just i'm, I'm really bullish on quest watkins Excellent. I'm, I'm, Excellent. Really I, I'm looking forward to, to watching what that Philly offense could do with a full offseason of Hurts there. Uh, Chris, uh, your thoughts on the Philly receivers and Quez Watkins? Yeah. My problem with Quez Watkins was that I just didn't know about him beforehand because I had sunk a, a lot of my teams uh, into Travis Fulgham like prior to, which hasn't worked <laughs> out well for me. Uh, but no, I, I do think that there's definitely a, a ton of validity to what Zach was saying because we, we've seen it. We've seen just continued progression of Quez outshining the rest of the guys that they've had in rotation. I mean, we have heard almost nothing about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Travis Fulgham has been kind of showing out as of late. He'll probably still be in the rotation somewhere, but referencing uh, Elliot Shore Parks, I remember seeing a tweet from him. Uh, it might have been like late last week saying that, I mean, the starting wide receivers for the for the Eagles this upcoming season, it should be Jalen Rager, Devonta Smith, and Quez Watkins. We, Jalen Hurts, his propensity for throwing down the field and looking for some of those home run swings, Quez Watkins fits with that type of style of play so far. And so I think that Quez could wind up being the beneficiary of some of those downfield passes. And he definitely has the speed in order to do that. We've seen he has the hands and he's like already has established that connection with Hurts. So as much as I hate to have to pivot after thinking that, hey, I was I had a you know a great call throughout most of the offseason, it's just this is the information we've got in front of us, so we got to go with it. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to see Rager do uh, well, too. I've been sprinkling him in a little bit because he's uh, getting those snaps, and he looks like he's healthy, and those are nice. Uh, when I go into underdog, um, you know, all these guys have been pretty affordable. Though we'll see Marcus Callaway is probably going to pop up in ADP over the, the coming days. But uh, Jacoby Myers, I'm, lots of my rosters. Donovan Peoples-Jones, lots of my rosters. Quez Watkins, I'm sprinkling in, uh, but he's starting to inch up as well. Zach, um, based on ADP, I, I was wondering... Uh, how much your natural following of all current events uh, helps you in those best ball draft rooms when you're watching ADP and watching the risers and the fallers? Do, do you feel like you've kind of got a leg up when you're in there because you follow the beat writers so heavily? Kind of, but I also, I, I 
take a lot of the guys we just talked about late in the draft that are mm-hmm. getting a lot of hype and maybe they don't turn out to be as good as we think they are uh, because this is training camp is the season of hype. Like mm-hmm. so many guys have so much hype, so it could come back to hurt me, but also I could be getting ahead on, on these guys and, and they blow up like we think they will. Um, but also feel like I have a whole list of people, guys I avoid too in the um, third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I think keeping up 24 seven with all this stuff definitely helps me more than hurts me. Are you playing a lot of underdog this year? I am. I have, my, if I could look at my, my teams that I've drafted like before training camp started and now they're completely different. Um, <laughs> I mentioned guys I avoid, like I'm avoiding Kenny Galladay. He hadn't practiced at all. And the Giants offense, I don't really think is going to be that good. Uh, Jamar Chase, he has so many drops in camp. I'm avoiding him. Um, and then there's some guys I avoid for no reason at all, like Mike Evans, because I just don't think he's going to get as many touchdowns for some reason. And DeAndre, well, DeAndre Swift, he's injured a lot. I just, in the Lions, I don't, I'm not high on it at all. So I just avoid guys. I try to only take guys and get good offenses, but um, yeah, it, it's tough to do. I really don't have an argument for staying away from Detroit and the Giants. Like, I really don't have an argument against that. Uh, I was still drafting Galladay, but I'm scared, too. Like, I've been following your account, and he's not practicing. That makes me nervous, so I'm scared of that, too. He's not practicing, and he wasn't really practicing well when he was practicing. So, I'm really really scared to take him. I have him in one league, Mm -hmm. so... I have too much, too many dynasty shares. I, uh, Chris, uh, any news tidbits uh, changing your underdog strategies? We get closer and closer to week one. Preseason's happening. There's, uh, as Zach said, this is the 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 time of year for highs. Everyone is the healthiest they've ever been. Everyone looks great. Uh, any of this news, ba- the, the news tidbits that come out, are they changing your strategy on underdog? I think the one, the news tidbits surrounding one team has made me a bit more bullish on them, and that's the Jets. I think when at the earlier yeah. parts of the off season, it's been more of a, I mean, what, what Zach Wilson was not holding out, but kind of holding out and figuring out his contract situation. And he mm-hmm. was, he wound up missing what the first couple of days at camp, if I'm remembering correctly, mm-hmm. uh, either way, we had that to start off the season. And of course that looked like a complete debacle and everyone was just like same old jets. But after these first couple of weeks of preseason, we've actually seen them out on the field and just hearing just this slow but steady like drumbeat like for like, a drumbeat of positivity for the Jets, they could be good. I mean, Corey Davis, for all the flack that he's gotten, especially from the dynasty community for being essentially a bust for the first few years of his career, and by first few, I mean like first four to five, it has actually blossomed into a he's blossomed into a receiver that was reliable with an efficient passer in Ryan Tannehill. It has now become a reliant target for Zach Wilson. You com- you combine that with uh, Elijah Moore, who has been injured, but now he came back to practice today, immediately reestablished that rapport with Zach Wilson. I don't know what you think about uh, any of the like any of the the running backs, but it's sounding like. Michael Carter is still a go. I'm not like his cost or uh, his ADP is a bit high for me, but Michael Carter is still somebody to contend with. Ty Johnson is still going to be a part of it. Tevin Coleman is still going to be a part of the offense. So this, I'm actually really surprised that we are in our fantasy bubble. We are talking about four, five, six 
New York Jets players that folks are actually excited to draft like on their teams. It's not like, hey, I'm just going to draft this guy just for fun. It's like, no, people are legitimately targeting Corey Davis, targeting Elijah Moore and all the rest of the guys I just named out, like uh, named off, except for Denzel Mims and Chris Herndon. So it's just we are actually somewhat excited to draft these Jets players. And so I think there's some validity to all that because we actually see the offensive scheme that Matt LaFleur, Robert Sala have brought over from San Francisco. So it's just I think there's enough optimism there that they could actually be a productive squad and not just a productive from NFL standpoint, but productive for fantasy. So I've been trying to target more and more Jets players like as the as the offseason has gone on. I, uh, you know, we're going to put a pin in this because we're going to talk about the Jets running game with Zach here in a few minutes. But uh, those guys are cheap, too. Like, Corey Davis is going to pop in, in ADP, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, you can get Zach Wilson pretty cheap. You get all those running backs pretty cheap. Tyler Croft is, is worth sprinkling in as part of, like, a three-tight end uh, build or something along those lines. So, uh, I, I'm with you. It's very interesting to watch this Jets offense. And we've been talking uh, really since February, Chris, about how – the same old Jets language isn't really apt because of so many changes. It's a completely new team, pretty much. Uh, biggest risers and fallers on underdog ADP. The Jets are going to be part of that. Uh, we're seeing, like, uh, the Houston running backs are kind of fluctuating crazy. Uh, seeing lots of players change out there. Uh, make sure that, listeners, if you're not signed up on underdog, uh, take advantage of the promo code we have. Four for four, that's four FOR four, deposit $10, receive a $25 credit and a free four for four pro subscription. Uh, only a little bit of time left to take advantage of that, but it's a great, great deal going on. So uh, I want to get into our main segment here. I want to talk about specific camp competitions with Zach since we've got him on here. Uh, let's start with the quarterback position, Zach. Let's start with uh, the Chicago Bears. Uh, all the indications are that Andy Dalton is the week one starter, despite the fact that it's Andy Dalton. No offense, Chris, uh, the Bengals fan. Uh, is this really going to be Dalton, and how long can we expect this based on uh, camp noise? Uh, it's definitely going to be Dalton. I don't think Matt Nagy is backing down. Um, and I don't know, it may not be a terrible thing to start Andy Dalton because the offensive line has looked so bad. And you don't, I don't know if you want to throw Justin Fields out there and, and just let him get demolished every game. Oh, that's um, so, because I mean, he could really mess with a rookie's head if he goes out there and struggles really bad for a few games. Uh, so, Andy Dalton's been been in the league for years. He can get through his progressions and his reads and and get the ball out. Like he he's not going to win you games. He's not going to lose you games. He's just kind of there, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, he, uh, um, I mean, I don't hate Andy Dalton by any means. Justin Fields is is, is way more dynamic. I think he's gonna get it. He's gonna get a chance this year. He's not gonna sit on the bench the whole year. Um, so if the Bears start off, you know, three and three, two and five, or something like that. Then I think they probably start looking at Justin Fields uh, to come in and see what he's got. But I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing to have him sit for a few weeks. Sure, that makes sense to me. And Chris, are you targeting either of them? Mostly just fields because of the rushing upside. And if we think about what could actually give us the production that we need at the quarterback position, Andy Dalton doesn't have that. I mean, do we really think even in the only in the best of situations, can we really see Dalton cracking the top 12? It really took just the what having all of the wide receivers in Dallas against a bad defense in order to really see him excel at least from a fantasy perspective and you'd really need to see the same 
with even less of a supporting cast in Chicago. There's no way you can compare Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and Cole Komet to what he had with the Cowboys. So I'd just rather take the guy that has the rushing upside, give me that Konami code action, and then we'll go with it. We'll go with it from there because I do have faith in Allen Robinson and Cole Komet, but I'd rather take their production plus the rushing upside that you can get from Justin Fields and trying to figure out if Andy Dalton has a three touchdown game still in his range of outcomes. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I, I, Andy Dalton, I need to be in like a three quarterback league to, to take Andy Dalton right now. I need to be in like a yeah. three quarterback league to, to take Andy Dalton right now. <laughs> uh, petition going on. You've kind of got the steady hand in Teddy B and the, the wild gunslinger in Drew Locke, but Locke's looked pretty good. Do you think Locke, uh, you know, that competition behind him is helping him? Do you think Locke has a shot at starting? Uh, I think it's definitely helping him. It's it's kind of one of those situations where if if I'm the coach, I take the high ceiling with Locke over the the high floor with Bridgewater every time because I don't. If you look at it, I don't think either quarterback is taking you taking you to a Super Bowl. So just see what you got with Locke, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Uh, but I think reports out of camp seem to say Locke is kind of like this tamed gunslinger now because he's been working with Teddy for so long and he's oh. he's, le- he's learning some things. So. I think he has tamed it down a little bit, and he's not trying to hit that home run on every play. Uh, but he's still he, – he will definitely air it out way more than Teddy will. Um, but I, personally, I like – I mean, I like both the guys. They're both really good guys. They're saying all the right things. Um, but if, if it was me, I'd go with Locke. I think if you asked all the beat writers, you'd probably get like a 50-50 split of Locke versus Teddy. So I don't, I don't know if we're going to have an answer until uh, right before the first game. Um, if I had a guess, they'd go with Drew Locke, but mm-hmm. it, it's a complete guess at this point. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I love Teddy B, but I do feel like I do feel like Denver needs to find out if Locke is the long term answer because we know Teddy's probably not that. Like you know, is the way I would think of that. Uh, Chris, I, I've been scared to draft either of these guys in any format. To be honest, uh, I'm interested in Drew Locke, so I might gamble on him once in a while. But I honestly, I've just been avoiding it. Are you taking the same approach, or are you sprinkling them in? Pretty much the same approach. I've been avoiding the situation. I would rather give me all of the pass catchers, really all of them. Yeah, I, I've been listening to a number of podcasts where if they're not talking about all three of the primary wide receivers in Sutton, Judy, or KJ Hamler. They're talking about the ascension of a guy like Noah Fant, who has the athleticism. We've seen his run after catch ability. Any of the running backs in Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams, I just I'll take all the production from those guys and just without under like without knowing who we're gonna get as the starting quarterback at this point. We know what we have in even if Teddy Bridgewater does start. We know that we could probably get a number of passing yards, but the touchdowns, because due to his red zone efficiency, it's been one of the leaks in his game since he's essentially since he's left uh, like Minnesota. Yeah. But I can't really see myself getting behind either one of those guys unless you really are trying to swing for the fences. I mean, Locke probably has the most upside between the two, but really, I mean, are you really trying to what's the quarterback build that you would need in order to wind up picking him up? Mm-hmm. If do you want, do you really want to pair him with Patrick Mahomes? Do you want to do a three QB build with him? Possibly, but it's just, I, I would just rather take any of the other quarterbacks that go ahead of him. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, and then let's let's shift to New Orleans. We talked a little bit about Marcus Callaway's big night. Jameis Winston looked great too. Uh, Zach, th- this is Winston's job, right? They're, they, they're not going to keep throwing Taysom Hill out there, right? It's got to be Winston. <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. I think it's going to be Jameis. And, and about 
two hours ago, Ian Rapport tweeted that uh, Jameis has the lead. So okay. I think I think Jameis Winston, they're going to name him starter. I don't think they're going to do it till right before the first game. Um, but it's smart. You you put Jameis back there, and then you can still, if you want, I don't. They they need a backup quarterback, but you could still use Taysom in his his Taysom role where he plays every position. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of just hope he doesn't get hurt in case Jameis gets hurt. So it's kind of a tricky situation. But it's it's got to be Jameis's job, and he's looked really good. He's matured. He learned from Drew Brees. Uh, he's just got everything going for him right now. Um, but I, I do like his gunslinger attitude a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't mind a few interceptions to make a few great throws. It's, I mean, it comes with Jameis Winston. But it, it's, it's got to be his job at this point. I would think so. And Chris, if that gets decided, like if we get that news that it's definitely Winston, how high does he rise up in your rankings in both redraft and best ball formats? Probably a mid QB two. I'd probably throw him into, let's say the quarterback, like let's say around like 15 ish, like somewhere in there, I would think because even, so let's say he does get the starting job and hope that's the case. What's the case for him ahead of, or at least around some of the other guys that are currently going to like, I would still probably take a couple of the rookies ahead of him just in a best ball setting, just because I, I've seen more, a higher upside with some of those guys, despite having less starts. At least that's the way I'm thinking about it right now. I could be, I could be totally wrong because if we're looking at it, I mean, Marcus Callaway, despite the fact that we're excited about him. At this point, I'm a, he's not at the same level as any of the other wide receivers or pass catchers that would be associated with most of the quarterbacks going ahead of him. I think we can all agree with that. And the same thing for any of the other pass catchers that are associated with New Orleans as of right now. Deontay Harris, Traquan Smith, not Adam Troutman, Juwan Johnson, if I'm, if I'm remembering his name correctly. But yep. outside of Alvin Kamara... He's really the only skill position player in New Orleans that we know and can quote unquote trust for Jameis Winston. So despite the fact that he would be a starting quarterback for an NFL team, 17 games in front of him, it's just what's that quality of play for the skill position players that would at least have me somewhat concerned with taking him as just a locked in like quarterback too. So I can understand why some folks might move him up, but I can still see the case for like Justin Fields. I could probably see myself trying to at least put a squad together with Justin Mules as my QB2 over Jameis Winston. Same thing with Trey Lance, quite possibly. There's just, but, I, but again, I'd have to think about it before really coming to a decision. But I think that's about where he'd fall for me. Yeah, let's talk about Trey Lance, Chris. So Trey Lance, uh, he's going as the QB10 on Underdog right now. He's going to ninth round. Um, <laughs> how long is Jimmy G's leash? Because that's the thing that concerns me. I... I, it's not that I don't think Lance is good, and I and I love uh, the Konami Code aspect of Lance, uh, but Jimmy G, I feel like if he's healthy, which is a big if with him, and the 49ers are winning, which they might, I, I don't see them yanking him, and they might redshirt Lance this year. How concerned are you with that based on Lance's ADP? Because he's going, uh, you know, ninth round, he's going around guys like Jalen Hurts, Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady. It's it, it That's tough for me. It's been tough for me to pull the trigger. Yeah, I I get that aspect, but at the same time, I mean, this is the same coaching staff that allowed the whole Mac Jones is we're going to take him at we're going to take Mac Jones <laughs> at three and all the other stuff. And Shanahan has been as effusive as possible regarding what the plan is going to be for for Lance. And I'm not saying that he's going to wind up starting week one, but he has stated I, I've heard Shanahan in a number of press conferences like uh, basically saying that when he's ready 
he will start, or when Shannon feels that he's, he will start, or when Shannon feels that he's ready, he will start. And while that get out, we have at least seen more and more to the more and more to the idea that he is pro ready. He is ready to take on. He is ready to take on the the duties of like being the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And I mean, for all for I mean, for all of his faults, I mean, for all of Jimmy G's faults, I mean, he has been at least efficient in that system. Two years ago, like on their Super Bowl run. The San Francisco 49ers, they were like top 10, top 12 in terms of EPA per play as a as an entire offensive unit. So like he has had his bright spots, but it's just not the same as what that offense could be if Trey Lance was more if Trey Lance was the one under center. And I know Shanahan has to believe that since they wound up trading up and then selecting Trey Lance at three. So it's just in in my mind, I'm I'm just trying to understand or reason out a story where Lance doesn't figure into the larger part of that of, of their 2021 season. Jimmy G, we know that he's not going to beat their plans for the future. So why not get the rookie in there, get him the reps that he needs, especially given the schedule that they have this season. Why not provide him with the, the softest landing spot as possible to set up the, the set the tone for what could be a highly potent and efficient offense for, for multiple years to come. So it's just, I'm still betting on the majority of those starts like going to Trey Lance as of right now. That makes sense. That makes sense. Zach, uh, how, how about you kind of read the tea leaves uh, as you're looking at the beat writers from out of San Francisco? Uh, how long do you think Jimmy's leash is going to be? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with both of you. Um, I think the leash is pretty short. The problem is, is that I feel the 49ers are going to be pretty good this year. And they start their first two games are with the Lions and the Eagles. So you got to think that Jimmy G can just be his average self and, and win those games pretty easily. Um, and, and Trey Lance really hasn't gotten many first-team reps in practice. He gets a handful every day, uh, but they're mostly the kind of design plays just for him. So I don't think Shanahan's going to throw him out there in week one or anything. Um, but they do play the Packers in week three, I'm pretty sure. And if, if that game goes bad for Jimmy G, it, the, the noise is going to get pretty loud uh, for Trey Lance to start the next week. Um, so it's, it's only a matter of time before Trey Lance takes over. So switching over from quarterbacks to running backs, uh, I know we'll stay, well, we were just talking about like, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. We'll stay over in the NFC West. It's been, I've heard folks talking about Chase Edmonds as the guy to grab in the, let's say fifth, sixth round is where I've been seeing him go throughout most of the off season on underdog James Connor, just because of his big body style of running. He does have at least the easiest path to being the goal line or short yardage rusher other than Kyler Murray, obviously. But who do you think is going to wind up being the back that we should really be targeting within that offense? Um, I've been trying to believe in, in Chase Edmonds since his three touchdown game against the Giants two years ago. <laughs> um, and I, I really like him. I, I, I do think he's the lead back, but it's probably lead back, but it's probably going to be a pretty even split. But I'm kind of worried about the Cardinals' offense. They they weren't very good at the end of the season last year, and a lot of that was because Tyler was hurt, um, and he may have been nursing that injury. Uh, but I'm not really sure. And and then the the preseason game this past weekend, they he played two or three series, and they just they did not look right. And DeAndre Hopkins wasn't out there, but it, it I'm kind of concerned. Um, but as far as the running back goes, I think Chase Edmonds will start and he'll get the most touches. Um, but but Connor's there, and, and 
it'll probably be a 55-45 split or 60-40 split, somewhere around there if I had to guess. Yeah, and I think that makes sense to me. It's just I've never been able to figure out like why there's such there's been such a large gap between those two running backs. Like we we know that Kyler if it comes to who's the goal line back going to be, it's probably going to be Kyler Murray, but to have six seven rounds separate Edmonds and Connor, I get that most folks label Connor to be an in, uh, an injury risk due to like how he wound up ex- essentially ending his tenure in Pittsburgh, but I 100% agree with you. Like, if if folks do believe in the possible workload for Edmonds, I can understand like taking him there. Me, I've t- just tried to fall back on the value that Connor presents in the double-digit round, so I've gone that I've gone that route. But another backfield that has a not necessarily a similar split, but we have seen at least a divergence in the value between two running backs is the Buffalo Bills. I mean, similar setup, right? I mean, Josh Allen. When it comes to being a goal line back, I mean, their quarterback for the Bills has been essentially their goal line back. We've got Zach Moss, who's got all the hype going in the, say, ninth, tenth round, somewhere in there. And then you've got Devin Singletary, the man that most folks have forgotten, going almost two to three rounds later. I mean, how are you projecting that backfield split? With these two, I don't think I have any shares of either of these two. Um, at the beginning of training camp, it kind of seemed like Zach Moss was pulling away. Then he got injured and or a little nicked up and he set out some practices and then Singletary kind of closed the gap and then looked good in this uh, last preseason game they had. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be a pretty even split. I think last year when they were both healthy, they, they both averaged around 11 touches a game. I, I can almost see that being the exact same this year. They're just, the Bills are most likely just going to lean on Josh Allen completely. Um, and then you're, you're, you're kind of looking at, at, in redraft leagues, you're kind of looking at Moss and Singletary as, as bi-week replacements and hoping they just hit that one week. But it's hard to trust them on an every week basis. Um, But I I, I don't have many shares. I don't have any shares, really. I don't think of either of them on any of my underdog teams. It's kind of a murky situation, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And almost with the same thing with the Chase Edmonds, James Conner thing, I've been more prone to take the cheaper of the two. Because at least we know that Devin Singletary, he's not dead. He's still going to be a part of the rotation. He's been more of the pass catcher than the, uh, than Zach Moss, like at least uh, la- if last season showed us anything. So it's just, even if they're, if Moss does get injured, we know what Devin Singletary's role could be in that offense. But since it's they're just so pass heavy, right? I mean, top three in terms of neutral passing rate, even in red zone passing rate, that they were still up there across the league. So it's just, it's hard for us to envision either of those two backs really giving us too much value so i 100 understand that but here's a couple of backs that might the denver broncos now we were just talking about drew Locke, teddy bridgewater all the rest of those wide receivers but in an offense that isn't as pass friendly we got javante williams the guy that regardless of if you're redraft best ball dynasty everybody knows like what he's capable of doing on the field but then you've got the vet and melvin gordon that's still there Beat reporters, I remember a tweet from Ben Albright about a week ago or so saying that Melvin Gordon is the guy. I mean, he's supposed to be their locked-in starter. Now, how long that's going to last, we don't know. So how do you see that backfield shaking out? Um, I, I love Javante Williams. Um, but I, I, I get really hyped up on rookies e- either way. Um, but he's, he's really good, and he's had a really good camp. Uh, but it's going to be another – situation and probably going to be 
just about how Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay split it. Um, but I do think Melvin Gordon's ADP is way too low right now for how many touches he's going to get per week. But I think as the season goes on and Javante Williams shows what he's got, he's a little, he's younger, he's a little fresher. I think he's going to slowly and slowly eat into Melvin Gordon's carries to where by the end of the season, he's going to be the main guy. Um, but both are, I think they're, they're both good picks um, in best ball drafts. Javante, where he's going right now, and Melvin, I think you could kind of even reach on him a little bit. Yeah, because I think when where Javante Williams was going, if you were doing, let's say, a uh, even a 0RB build, not the traditional 0RB build because you would wait a little bit longer, but if you wanted to try and find at least a, a running back that had that upside that might not be there in the earlier parts of the season, but as you were just mentioning, Zach, you could see Javante Williams starting to eat more and more into Melvin Gordon's workload over the season. So you might start off with an RB2, but then as the season progresses, you might kind of just fall into an RB1, which is kind of the archetype that a lot of folks would want to try and invest in, especially like at the at where Williams has been going. I think that's where he presents the most value, right? You can just wind up picking him up and then kind of seeing how the season plays out, knowing that you'll at least get a decent amount of touches on, on a week-to-week basis. But now from a, for a team that even if we get the touches, there might not be the value, what about the Houston Texans? I mean, they have how many running backs at this point? Four? <laughs> they got four, four of them, and, and none of them are very exciting. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I've heard the most buzz about Philip Lindsay. I haven't heard anything else about like Ingram, Rex Burkhead. David John, I mean, I haven't heard anything about any of those other guys, so should we even care about those guys? I, I, I want to say no, um, but you, you really never know how a season's going to go. We may get to the end of the season, and we're starting uh, Rex Burkhead and Alfred Morris in our championship Oh, matchup. man, I but, hope that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm not excited about any of these guys or really any Houston Texan at all. It's just it's, it's a team that, like the Lions, that I'm completely avoiding because I think they're going to be so bad, and I hate counting on garbage time. Um, but it just I, Philip Lindsay, in my opinion, should be the lead, lead guy, and he will be the lead guy. But what does that tell us? Not much. And I, I don't think David Johnson was really even that bad last year uh, in the 12 games he played, but that was with Deshaun Watson, and we don't really know what's going to happen there either. Um, so I don't feel comfortable with any of them, uh, with Tyrod Taylor or Davis Mills, whoever they decide to go with. Um, it's just it's, it's another situation that I'm completely avoiding. I I agree, and I think the only Texans player that I've drafted pretty much at all this season, I actually take that back too. I have been taking, I was taking Brandon Cooks throughout like some of the offseason. I've cooled on that, but I have taken a little bit of Nico Collins over the last like few weeks. It does sound like he might get worked into the rotation at some point or another, but I will say though, I mean, pour one out for Tyrod Taylor. I mean, the man has just been (laughs) bounced around from just bad situation to bad situation. What replaced by Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, he goes over to the Chargers, gets his lung punctured, gets replaced by Justin Herbert, and then now he gets essentially shipped off to Siberia and he gets stuck (laughs) with the Houston Texans, which is one of the worst situations you could possibly have. So it's just, I feel bad for the man, to to be quite honest. He's like the successful uh, Josh Rosen, kind of. Josh Rosen (laughs) keeps going to all these bad teams and never... He just yeah, he, he wasn't good and he was on bad teams. Tyrod at least gets successful. a chance. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the like, successful Josh Rosen. 
I know, and, we, and, we, and uh, from a fantasy perspective, I mean, everybody loved like Tyrod Taylor, right? Because he was like the, the like the quintessential late round quarterback for so many years, and just that you see his career like just completely fall off. I don't know, I'm off track. One last running back situation we wanted to ask you about was the Jets. I mean, we talked about them earlier, saying that they could be fun. Offensive line revamped. They added a couple of pieces there during the off season. So we've got Michael Carter. Seems to be, I mean, coming out of, what, UNC, if I'm remembering correctly? I mean, he was a guy that a lot of folks were targeting from a dynasty perspective, so there's a plus. But bring over Tevin Coleman's, who, I don't know, he could wind up having some value. We can see, I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, but the last guy, Ty Johnson, who we've seen just has, like, the ultimate speed. So who's the guy that we should be targeting here? I think it'll start off as uh, Coleman-Ty Johnson split kind of pretty pretty evenly. They have they are they're trying to build like this big green wall in front of Zach Wilson with these offensive linemen. Um but I think Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson will split to start the year and then Michael Carter will end up being the best one of the bunch by the end of the season. But it's just I don't, Michael Carter, I guess he's going to be one of those guys in the redraft league where you're you're waiting until he hits the waiver wire and then you're going to pick him up right before he then start naming him the starter and he takes off. But um it's uh yeah it's gonna be like this three-headed monster at first pour one out for all my dynasty with michael p ryan shares can we just kind of pour one out for that because i (laughs) i i want to be hopeful and and i'm just not anymore he's he's had a good camp it's just he's the fourth guy so i mean (laughs) let's uh let's talk receivers we're running a little long and i i don't want to keep you too long zach but i want to talk a few receivers here uh the atlanta falcons right uh they lose Julio Jones, don't really bring anyone in. So is the wide receiver too, is that really Russell Gage? And how interested should we be in his target share as the wide receiver two in Atlanta? It is Russell Gage, unless you want to count Kyle Pitts as the wide receiver two. But uh, it'll be Gage, and he's got a safe floor. I think you can kind of count on five catches for 50 yards. Um, so you're drafting him as your wide receiver five, probably. And uh, he's going to have weeks where he he ends up as a wide receiver three because he'll have those eight catches for a wide receiver three because he'll have those eight catches for 100 yards. And you kind of hope it's during your main receivers. But he is the wide receiver too. Excellent. He was more productive than I remember last year. Like I look at his numbers and he was somebody you could put in your lineup. So the extra... Uh, the extra targets he's likely to get with Julio gone uh, should be interesting, definitely. I want to shift over to Baltimore. Uh, you know, Rashad Bateman's hurt. He's going to be out for a little while. Hollywood Brown is nicked up. Uh, is there anyone in Baltimore worth considering that might be like a buy-low target right now uh, who could bust out, like somebody that nobody's heard of right now? I, I, you know, the rookie Tylen Wallace or, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins, somebody there that nobody's targeting, anyone you think might step up? Yeah, the Tylen Wallace news has been really Low. I don't think he's having a great camp, but the one guy that is having a good camp is James Proche. Ah, I don't, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm not drafting him anywhere because I just, I don't think he's going to be really relevant unless some of these injuries last well into the season. But I, I do think Hollywood and Sammy, I, I feel like they'll both be back by week one. Okay. That's a complete, that's a complete guess. But Marquis Brown, he's running, been running on the side fields for a couple of weeks, so it seems like he's almost there and then Sammy it's been really quiet but I I feel like he'll be back so I'm not targeting anybody past that um Proche is having a good camp but um he I don't think he's someone we need to draft 
Okay. Yeah. I know Bateman's ADP has been dropping in best ball. So I'm still sprinkling him in just because he's, he's really cheap at this point, but I, I I'm with the offense, a little scary with the targets, uh, Detroit, uh, you know, we're not excited about the Detroit offense, but somebody has to catch passes there. Uh, it's looked like Amon Ross St. Brown is, 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 uh, you know, connect building a nice connection. Rashad Perryman looks like he's dropping the ball. Uh, the stuff I've been reading is that Tyrell Williams seems to be the number one is, is that really going to be the case? Is he going to get targets like a wide receiver one in Detroit? He's definitely their wide receiver one, but with being their wide receiver one, he'll probably be behind Hawkinson and then. I think he may be behind in targets with the running backs they have. So really, he he might be third, the third target on any play. But he's, I mean, he's he's practicing well and he's developing a good rapport with uh with golf. So I think he's he's definitely their wide receiver one, and he'll have a few big weeks. So he's another guy that you target in best ball, and you hope his boom weeks are on on weeks you need them. Um, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's him and and uh, Amonra St. Brown. I think that's going to be their slot guy, and then Perriman's kind of on the roster bubble at this point because he's mm-hmm. he's not having a good camp at all. Yeah, I, I've sprinkled a few of all of those guys in, and, and Quintus Cephas too a little bit. Although I know he's running with the second team right now. Uh, sticking with the NFC North, uh, Marcus Vidal scanting or, or affectionately known as MVS. Uh, you know. Is he ready to break out? It, I, I've read that he's had a good camp. He's been very inconsistent, but put up some big numbers at times. Is he ready to finally be the guy we all want him to be? I'm a believer. I, I almost chose this guy as the one I was going to pound the table for at the beginning of the show. Um, but I think he's ready to break out. He's From all reports, he worked on his hands this offseason. He's not dropping as many passes as, as passes, but I still cringe every time I see a tweet that says he dropped a pass. I'm like, well, there goes his chance. <laughs> there but, goes um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's 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 much improved by all accounts, and it's his contract year, so he need he knows he needs to show out and show some consistency. So I'm a believer in this guy this year. Excellent, excellent. One final receiver, and I know we zipped through receivers. Uh, apologies to the listeners, but I still can't figure out how to structure an hour-long show without going long. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, McCole Hardman. Seems like he's going to get every opportunity to be the wide receiver too and replace Sammy Watkins. Uh, I know Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, those guys are still in the mix, but Hardman seems to be getting the chances with kind of some mixed results. Do you think he's going to be able to seize this opportunity? I feel like he will. Uh, in, in my mind, he's like the Walmart Deontay Johnson because he, he, <laughs> he, he can get open, but he drops a lot of passes. Um, <laughs> so, and they spent high draft capital on him, and they like him. So I think they're going to force him to be the wide receiver too there. And in this last, in that last preseason game, he got eight targets. I think five of them or six of them came from Mahomes. Two were end zone targets, and they weren't catchable. He caught a touchdown later on that wasn't from Mahomes. But um, I think he's going to have a good year. I have a lot of shares of Hardman. This is another guy I target late in drafts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think he'll he'll be good. He's a good uh, wide receiver four or five. Yeah, like last year you had to pay up for him because uh, there was hype. This year there's less hype but more opportunity. It's very interesting. So uh, so you don't have to pay quite as much to get him. Uh, Zach, I, I appreciate you, and I could, I could talk to you about players for like the rest of the night. But uh, <laughs> but I want to let you go. Everyone be sure to follow at 32BeatWriters on Twitter. Support everything Zach does. Zach, thank you again so much for joining us today. Do you have any last thoughts or plugs before we go? No, that's it. Just follow us on, on Twitter. 
Excellent. Chris, always a pleasure. Any final thoughts before we go? No, I mean, many thanks to Zach for spending this evening with us and really just letting us pick his brain about some of the things that he's been seeing throughout training camp. So echoing your thoughts, Brandon, I mean, if anybody wants to find just like that actionable intel that they that they need to see, like from beat reporters, the stuff that's happening in camp, follow at 32 Beat Writers and you'll get all that information in an instant. Excellent. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Two Guys Brandon at Chris Allen FFWX. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.